Joint session will come back to order. Chief Sergeant to the House, Judson. Senators, representatives, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure and honor to present to you the Honorable John Hickenlooper, Hickenlooper, <laughs> Governor of the State of Colorado. It's always a last minute change. Please, thank you. <clears throat> At a time when sometimes shouting seems to have replaced talking and insults sometimes seem to replace ideas, I want to start by honoring the men and women who joined me in this chamber and those who have made it their life's work 
to serve the people of Colorado, driven by their abiding desire to serve and to make our great state even greater. President Grantham and Speaker Duran, members of the General Assembly, Lieutenant Governor Lynn and her husband Jim, Justices of the Supreme Court, Attorney General Kaufman, Treasurer Stapleton, Secretary of State Williams, Southern Ute Councilman Frost, Ute Mountain Chairman Cuthair, and Vice Chairwoman Cuthair Root. Members of the State Board of Education, Mayor Hancock, other elected officials in attendance, my hardworking cabinet and staff, and of course, my amazing wife, Robin, who could not be here today, and my amazing son, Teddy, who could, <laughs> and to all of my fellow Coloradans. We have so much to be thankful for. We want to thank our veterans and active service members and their families for their courage and their sacrifice in the cause of freedom. We want to thank the members of the Colorado National Guard, more than 600 of whom were deployed overseas in this past year. We thank our Department of Public Safety, along with local first responders who accept the daily dangers of their work as routine. We mourn alongside the families of those we've lost. Deputy Sheriff Zach Parrish, Firefighters Mike Freeman, Brett Anderson, and Lieutenant Jim Schaefer, Sergeant First Class Steve Cribben, Special Warfare Operator Petty Officer First Class Remington Peters, and Sergeant First Class Mikhail Golan. We're here as public servants to make this place we love stay a place we love a place we can be proud of. That would be called topophilia, which means our love of place and reflects our love of Colorado. It's the growling of tractors in Brush's Fourth of July parade, which I got to last summer. It's the smell of barbecue at the Little League ball fields in Sterling on a summer night. If you've seen a sunrise over the plains, drank a cold beer after a day of hunting, or consider October a real month, <laughs> you've experienced it. Heck, it was a carriage ride up Pikes Peak that inspired Catherine Bates to write America the Beautiful. She later wrote, we stood at last on that gate of heaven's summit and gazed in wordless rapture over the far expanse of mountain ranges and the sea-like sweep of plain. This love of place colors everything we do. We are a community thousands of years in the making, starting with the Paleo-Indians, followed by more recent inhabitants, including the Arapaho and Cheyenne and the Utes, renewed by the first Hispanic settlers, the hopes of the 59ers, the coal-stained faces of the next pioneers, and the sweat of those who built train tracks, bridges, and tunnels, and stayed to start families and build communities. It was the Germans, Japanese, and Irish, immigrants from countless countries who planted the seeds of entrepreneurship. 
and our immigrants today who continue to harvest those seeds. As President Reagan said about the shining city on the hill, the doors were open to anyone with the will and the heart to get there. Popular culture has tried to sell us a bit of a tall tale, that Colorado's history is only about rugged individualism and conflict. But cooperation has always been the defining part of our DNA. Trappers used to go out in packs of 10 or 20, not by themselves, because teamwork was safer and more productive. There were a lot more barn raisings than there were shootouts. Mountain residents at the turn of the century would leave their cabins unlocked and stocked with food in case a weary traveler in the area got hit with a storm. Those travelers were honor bound to clean that cabin and restock it later. Sometimes in this building, we stray a little from this Colorado way. We don't always restock the cabin. We don't always listen. Issues can get tangled in a web of special interests. Trust in our government at every level is a critical part of love of place. Not that our mountains and plains are a big part of our communal affection and sports teams as well, but I believe that love of place is a key ingredient of almost all economic development. And people aren't eager to make the investments that all prosperity demands if they don't trust the people who lead them and trust that those leaders will work together. In this past legislative session, we did just that. We finally fixed the hospital provider fee. We now have a little more balance and a little more sanity in our budget, and hospitals in rural Colorado that would have closed continue to serve thousands of patients. Jennifer Riley, an executive at Memorial Regional Health in Craig, told us, you helped keep our doors open. Thank you. And last year, we reformed construction defects, and slowly, we're building more condos. We delivered a modest deposit on our broadband initiative, and today, a high schooler in Julesburg is taking remote business classes, so perhaps one day, he can start his own company. For the first time, we used marijuana taxes for a homeless initiative. We helped people save their own lives. Now, last year wasn't always pretty, Progress isn't always painless, but it was the most impactful, bipartisan legislative session since the Great Recession. We reminded everyone, not just here, but across the country, the collaborative Colorado way is the best way. When we're frustrated, we listen harder. When we're stumped, we turn to facts and data. We try to bring the best ideas we can to the table. We don't define ourselves by those who oppose us. Uh, who, those who oppose us. As any restaurateur can tell you, there's no margin in having enemies. I mean, that's basically our slogan. 
And I am grateful to all of you to have been allowed to be your, your friend these past seven years, most of the time. <laughs> if you haven't lived in Colorado long, you might be tempted to think that the state you see today was inevitable. But when we first met in this room, our economy was in disarray. We had just entered the worst year for job seekers in generations. We were 26th in unemployment and 40th in job growth. Nearly 400,000 Coloradans were unemployed or underemployed, and tens of thousands more had dropped out of the workforce. So we did what Coloradans do. We rolled up our sleeves and we got to work. We hosted 50 meetings and took comments from more than 13,000 people in all 64 counties. Coloradans told us what they needed to shape their communities across the state from the bottom up. With this input, we created a new blueprint for a new economy. We cut red tape. We promoted the state not just to tourists, but as a, as a pro-business destination for aspiring entrepreneurs. We championed innovation and technology and made it easier for small businesses to get a loan. The Colorado Blueprint made it easier for people to create and grow their own businesses and helped make Colorado a place that loves entrepreneurs. By almost any measure, we've become one of the best places for business in America. We're one of the most active and healthiest states, one of the best states to raise a family and make a living. We shattered unemployment records, tourism records. We've hosted world-class cultural and music events. The state has become a bridge between nonprofits and the private sector, a model in the country. We've leveraged a quarter of a billion dollars through public-private partnerships for community initiatives that have touched millions of lives. We're putting our faith in people like seven-year-old Ashley Scott from Colorado Springs. Now, two years ago, Ashley started a holiday benefit and purchased blankets, socks, and gloves for the homeless. And this year, she partnered with 20 businesses, her school, and the entire community to do even more. She said, doing this makes me feel happy. The homeless need a Merry Christmas too. Ashley, we are grateful for your presence and for your incredible work. It's a shame you're not 23 years older. You could run for governor. <laughs> Everyone else is. <laughs> We've swelled our ranks in healthcare with 600,000 more enroll enrollees while prioritizing value. We've lifted families out of poverty with a focus on two gen 
two-generation solutions across the state and with our tribes. Our family planning initiative has helped reduce the abortion rate among teens in Colorado by 64%. And And, and reduce teenage pregnancies by 54%. We have become the leading state on a per capita basis for aerospace employment. And when our cybersecurity center in Colorado Springs reaches full capacity, we'll have literally thousands of people a year getting certificates. We were the first state to legalize recreational marijuana. There was one clapper in the back. <laughs> but while doing so, we have helped create a roadmap for other states. And by the way, I don't think any of us are wild about Washington telling us what's good for us. We expect that the federal government will respect the will of Colorado voters. Now, we charted our trails. We expanded broadband by almost 100,000 rural homes. We've lured countless businesses, large and small, and revitalized dozens of main streets. We provided wraparound services for thousands of people, like Sarah Middlebrooks, who completed the program in Fort Lyon, found permanent housing, and now maintains her own small business while pursuing her associate degree. Now, she couldn't make it because of an accident over the weekend. Sarah, if you're watching, we wish you a speedy recovery, and we also wish to say congratulations. We also created the country's first and best methane, regula methane regulations by bringing together the non the, the environmental community of nonprofits and the oil and gas industry. We brought together the entire state to create a water plan that secures food protection, food secures food production. We protected the sage grouse from being listed as an endangered species in the West and developed an electric vehicle infrastructure spanning 7,000 miles. We cut or modified almost half of our rules and regulations. And in doing so, saved business, saved businesses nearly $8 million, $8 million and over 2 million hours last year. 2 million hours. And we measured our progress on everything that matters. We trained, thousands of we trained thousands of employees who completed 600 lean process improvements, created more value for Coloradans, and won numerous awards. We're one of the most innovative and transparent states in America. Now, my mother used to say, use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. And it turns out those are pretty good words for a state to live by. Along this journey, our spirit was tested by floods and fires and inexplicable loss. On the other side of these tests, 
we became stronger. By nearly every measure, Colorado is perhaps stronger now than, it, than perhaps at any point in history. Our economy is 10 times more diverse than when I got laid off in 1986. We developed a, a well-deserved reputation for innovation over these past years. And we've welcomed several hundred thousand pilgrims who have moved here from elsewhere, allowing them to experience firsthand just why it is that we love this place so much. This really is an era for the record books. But we can't rest on our laurels. As one farmer told me, in Colorado, you can be a rainfall away from a record crop, but a hailstorm away from losing it all. So we will not let up. We will not stop to enjoy the view. We have a lot to accomplish in the next 119 days in this building. We need to find the right solution to Paris' unfunded liability. We need to pass legislation to safely cap orphan wells. We need to halt the opioid epidemic that continues to destroy lives and families and disproportionately affects our rural communities. We need to enact a K-12 and infrastructure funding plan that will help make sure that the water plan becomes a reality. We need legislation and funds to ensure full broadband build-out in rural areas. And we need to protect our rural communities by addressing the intense negative impact the Gallagher Amendment has had and will have in the future. It's a common sense agenda, and it's an opportunity for us to continue showing the country how it can be done, that politics need not always be a blood sport, that we need not wage war between the blue team and the red team, and that dedicated and caring people, even those who may disagree at times, can still achieve important goals together. It's also an opportunity to recommit ourselves to honor and respect our colleagues, and uphold the dignity of our offices. Let's pledge here and now that we will not tolerate sexual harassment in the state of Colorado. In the early hours of the last century, Theodore Roosevelt said of the United States, it should be the growing nation with a future that takes the long look ahead. Let's take that long look and think together about the kind of place Colorado must become so that we can pass our love of place on to the next generation. Today, more Coloradans are working than ever before. The Colorado secret is out. Our in-migration to the front range is the envy of the nation. But our rural areas are not experiencing the same boom. We need to create the right ecosystem. It's like the, like the bristlecone pine, unique to the West. It lives in a harsh but 
but stunning high altitude environment. But they're the perfect conditions for it to thrive and to grow. It may grow more slowly than the spruce, but it is sturdy and resilient, and yes, beautiful. Most people in rural areas are filled with the love of place. I had lunch with 14 future farmers of America at the mansion last year, and I asked these young adults how many would choose to return to their small hometowns if they could make a decent living there. Every hand went up. One woman, one young woman came up to me later though and noted, but if I came back with someone I'd love, if I came back with someone I loved, they'd need a job too. We need more good jobs in rural Colorado. Many outdoor recreation and manufacturing companies, sports enthusiasts, and adventurers from around the world seek out dynamic rural areas. And that's great. But some of our best entrepreneurs are already with us in our rural areas. Seven years ago, Rob Graves, a fourth generation dairy farmer up in Bellevue, Colorado, started making a, a, an Australian style yogurt. Now, Nusa Yogurt is in all 50 states and has annual revenues of over $200 million a year. I'm glad to have Rob Graves here. They've got now 240 employees in Bellevue, Colorado. But to, in, to invigorate more of our smaller communities, we need to continue to incentivize companies and rural entrepreneurs, or the urban ones who want to be rural, to take a chance and start a business where they're needed the most. That's why we just announced a $10 million rural venture fund to focus equity investment and access to capital in the rural parts of the state, similar to what they, we've been doing for years along the Front Range. Startup Colorado is a five-year initiative to organize and convene startups around the state, supported by Brad Feld and other top entrepreneurial leaders. We're expanding our blueprint and rural jumpstart economic development programs. Maybe we should look at expanding jumpstart incentives to seven years. We're backstopping loans for rural markets that allow businesses and startups to get more access to capital. But maybe we should find ways to do more. We need to make it easier for anyone to love any part of Colorado and to be able to start a business in that place. Companies also, in any place, need affordable, quality health care. We have some... <laughs> we have some of the most expensive counties for health care in the country. And 14 counties have only one option on the exchange. All of them are in rural areas. We need our friends in Washington to finally move past the tired fight over the Affordable Care Act 
It's not perfect, and we need to strengthen it in lots of ways. But it has helped reduce our uninsured rate by half. 600,000 Coloradans, many from rural parts of the state, now have coverage who didn't before. And it has helped save lives. However, we can also all agree that America spends too much on health care, and we don't get enough for it. This is an economic argument as much as a, a health or moral argument. The year before the Affordable Care Act, two-thirds of the bankruptcies in Colorado were caused by medical debt. Two-thirds of the bankruptcy. That's over 100,000 bankruptcies. 100,000 individuals and families, and a disproportionate number were in rural areas. The following year, the ACA helped reduce that number by 60%, more than... <laughs> more than 60,000 families didn't go through the trauma, the agony of bankruptcy. And when we're secure in healthcare, we're more likely to take risk, to take a chance, to start a business. Now, every economist and anyone with a smartphone would agree. Our economy today is undergoing tectonic shifts with the acceleration of automation and artificial intelligence. Yet today, in almost every part of Colorado, zip code still determines your educational outcome. And that determines your economic outcome. This needs to change. We reconvened the Education Leadership Council, with your help, to build a long-term vision and path forward. It's nonpartisan and comprehensive, with a focus on the building blocks of a child's success from early childhood to workforce and beyond. We're pumping an additional $100 million above enrollment and inflation into the schools this year and adding $10 million to address teacher shortages in rural areas. We also propose repeating this year's $30 million to rural, school, rural schools next year. Even with these increases, we remain roughly three-quarters of a billion dollars behind the funding the Colorado voters placed in our Constitution nearly two decades ago. We need to be honest with ourselves and with our voters. This number is not going to go down much without their help, and if we, if we are really being blunt, it hurts rural Colorado more than, the, than even the front range. But to create the kind of workforce that will keep pace with this economy and keep our state at the forefront of the new economy, we need to go beyond the funding issue. We need to to rethink and retool our entire approach. We need to transition from a degree-based education system to one that also includes skills-based training. <laughs> Experts tell us that almost 60% of the kids in America today 
will not get a four-year degree. And that number is true in Colorado as well. Career and professions by the dozens are going to be swept away in the coming decades by automation and artificial intelligence. But new industries will emerge at an equally frantic rate. We will need not just engineers, but huge numbers of technicians and analysts with new sets of skills. We need to get more kids learning those skills that matter. And we need to do it yesterday. That's why we're working with the State Board of Education to expose more students to coding in the middle and high school years. Why not give those schools with a foreign language requirement the choice to offer coding as an alternative language? But let's not fall back into that trap of instituting a bunch of coding classes and thinking we've, we've solved the problem. We need flexible solutions that can adapt to what employers need tomorrow, not just what they need today. This means training and apprenticeships. Working closely with business and education leaders in a public-private partnership, Colorado is igniting an apprenticeship renaissance with CareerWise. And it's a model being copied around the country. We're connecting companies, talent, K-12 schools, community colleges, and training centers. We have youth apprentices in, a pilot, in pilot programs at 31 schools in four districts, and we're partnering with 40 businesses. And this isn't your grandparents' vision of apprenticeship. This is on-the-job skills training in industries like business operations in healthcare and advanced manufacturing. Within a decade, we want to see 20,000 students per year receiving college credit, developing the skills, and learning how business works. Apprenticeships are designed to grow hand in glove with Skillful, a digital platform that we developed with LinkedIn and the Markle Foundation that's helping to connect job seekers and employers in this new rapidly changing economy. Last summer, Microsoft Philanthropies announced a $26 million investment in Skillful to expand these efforts, the largest grant in the history of their foundation. Now, projections of all kinds suggest that we're going to fall short, well short, in trained workers in nearly every industry over the next decade. We need all hands on deck. We need everyone getting training. We need to expand our training programs and also tailor them for, for people with disabilities and those who are incarcerated but soon to be released. There's a lot to do, but Colorado has a head start on most of the country, and we need to continue to lead. We've become a model for most of the country. I presented our apprenticeship and skillful programs to couple dozen of executives from some of the nation's largest foundations who are putting their considerable weight behind solving these challenges of the 21st century and building a skills-based workforce. Now, our work around skills transitions into our work in higher education. Last fall, the Colorado Commission on Higher Education presented 
our updated higher education master plan. We need to increase post-secondary credentials by, by tens of thousands in the next eight years and erase equity gaps. Over the last seven years, we've added more than $250 million to support higher education. And we need to do more to help those schools succeed and expand. They are engines of our economy. Yet, we're still seeing a seemingly continuous inflation of tuition, fees, and books. We need to redouble efforts at the same time around costs, collaboration, and student success. Purdue University has not raised tuition for resident, undergraduation, resident undergraduates for the past six years. Now, ambitious moves like that will take some flexibility from those in this building, too. But I think that's the kind of goals we need to have. We created a strong foundation for growth. But no matter how hard we work to incentivize potential and capitalize on, on topophilia, on this love of place, Coloradans won't continue to love this place or build their lives here if they can't move around easily, if they can't find affordable housing, if they can't stay connected. It's about companies like Mayfly, which builds equipment for anglers and worked with the state to move all their manufacturing to Montrose. They wanted a rural environment, but a rural environment with strong broadband. They're training local workers while building an outdoor rec center and a business park at the same time because they believe their business should grow side by side with the community. And we're grateful to have David Dragu here with us. Stand up, take a bow. Thank you for picking Colorado. It's great news for rural communities that many jobs can be done anywhere, but it requires good internet. We need to giddy up. We went from 60% to 80% coverage in rural Colorado in the last two years. We'll be at about 85% by the end of this year, and hopefully 100% by 2020. But to get... The But to get there, we need your support. One of the most essential pieces of infrastructure in our economy is our natural landscape, our clean air, our clean water, the things everyone thinks about when they hear the word Colorado. It's one reason why companies of all sorts have been drawn to this place we love. And the reason why the Outdoor Recreation Show is coming to Denver in a couple of weeks with its $110 million in economic impact. It's why many of our farmers and ranchers who live on the land came here and stay here. But the responsibility to, good, to be good stewards does not just fall on the rural parts of the state. It rests with all of us. Excel has submitted a plan to close two coal plants in Pueblo. This will clean our air and lower costs for consumers and lead to, lead to greater investments that support 21st century jobs. I'm still unsure what it is that the critics don't like 
They don't like the cleaner air or the lower utility bills. <laughs> Clean air matters. Excel is also working with Evraz Rocky Mountain Steel, which is one of the cleanest steel plants in this country, if not the world. They're working with them to move toward a renewable energy while protecting Pueblo's future as a center for steel manufacturing. And we're going to need everyone's support to make sure this is a reality. Pueblo is known as Steel City, but, but soon it could also be known as Solar and Wind City. Now, most of us would agree that, that science shows our climate is changing at a significant rate, and I would say in a large part because of humans. Now, many, well, some, I shouldn't say, but even those who disagree with me on climate change can agree that we need to protect the Colorado environment that our grandchildren are going to grow to love with a strong economy where those grandchildren can come back and find jobs. Now, this includes protecting our water for agriculture. If we don't implement the water plan and find the funding, rural agricultural communities will be the first and hardest hit. We live in a state of open markets. The rural economies can never afford to match what front-range homeowners pay for domestic water. And yet having a sustainable source of food, no matter what happens around the world, is an essential foundation for the future of our state. We are one of the great exporting states. And it's a point of pride for many people who've come here. And we have to make sure that that's a resource that we continue to invest in rather than put at risk. The Colorado Water Plan provides a framework, but doesn't include all the funding over the next 30 years. It lays out about 85%. We need the support of the General Assembly to make sure we find the rest of that funding. But the cost of water has been a small, small part of the overall inflation in new housing prices along much of the Front Range and elsewhere. It strains one's ability to love where they are, where they live, when they can't afford the price of a home or even rent near the jobs and communities they care about. While many conversations around affordable housing are confined, are confined to the Front Range, the Colorado Housing and Finance Authority has supported housing projects all across Colorado. They've invested over $13 billion across the state. I think we need to increase our affordable housing tax credits by 50%. These are matching funds that work only with local investment. If we believe private enterprise is part of the solution, then Chaffa is one of the answers. Now, I'm forgetting one other type of infrastructure. What? Ah, right. The multi-billion dollar hole in our roads. <laughs> it's about connecting to our communities, our jobs, our markets. It's about connecting to the people we love. And good infrastructure creates good jobs. These are facts. Fort Morgan voters said yes to raising their sales tax so they could get to work repairing their city streets. And El Paso County, 
voted for new lanes on I-25. Coloradans want to invest in our quality of life because of their affection for Colorado. And they want us to allow us to pass that affection confidently onto the next generation. That's why communities are easing traffic and bike lanes with creating walkable areas. And in response to demand from southwest Colorado and other rural parts of the state, Bustang is expanding routes. It's part of why we partnered with Panasonic to see how we can link vehicles with smart highways and save lives. Futuristic transportation companies like Arivo, Auto, and Hyperloop are making Colorado a testing ground. But we're not going to be able to innovate our way out of traffic jams and congestion without resources. Coloradans spend hundreds of dollars a year extra per car on repairs and operating costs as a result of bad road conditions. We waste dozens, probably on an average over 40 hours a year in traffic. The cost of asphalt and concrete continue to rise, yet we haven't increased the state gas tax in over 25 years. We've been driving on a, on a flat tire for almost a quarter of a century. All the while, Utah raised their gas tax twice. Not that I'm competitive. Not only do we underfund maintenance by more than $200 million per year, but we also have a project list of $9 billion. Total needs are estimated to be $25 billion by 2040. And that's all on top of CDOT's existing budget. Last year, we committed $1.9 billion in financing for roads when we addressed the hospital provider fee. And I think soon, next to, thanks to Senate Bill 267, we will see a $100 million per year commitment in general fund revenue towards those needs. Last week, we proposed another $148 million from the, recent increase, the recent increase in revenues. And then, in the coming years, our proposal for future revenues will continue to dedicate more than $100 million per year on top of that, also from the general fund. That's pro progress. But it still won't be enough to solve our transportation problem. And it doesn't devote a single dollar <clears throat> to our city and county roads and bridges. We need to be even more ambitious. It's time we look at a long-term solution with a sustainable funding source a sustainable funding source. There's broad agreement across party lines. Coloradans deserve the opportunity to vote on whether we need new resources and where they should come from. It is time to go to the voters. Now, it's tempting to surround ourselves with people who agree with us. It's easy to create an echo chamber. But we're investing in the unglamorous effort it takes to listen, because it works. In ancient Greece, 
Conversations about the great disagreements of the day took place around big dinners that lasted days. Strangers were welcome. The restaurateur in me loves this. <laughs> Conversation would slow down, and unlike a cable TV debate or a, a tweet storm, it allowed a spectrum, a spectrum of viewpoints to emerge. People invested their time in each other. Often, fueled by wine, here in Colorado, we'll probably stick with beer. But I think we need to get back to that point where we had deep discussions. We need to rebuild these places of convergence. And I'll, as one, open up my office. We have 364 days left in this administration. That's an eternity for compromise. It only took 87 days for 39 delegates to create Colorado's Constitution. And that included a Bill of Rights, three-branch state government, bicameral legislature, an elected governor, and supreme district and county courts. It's an eternity. But the issues are fiercely urgent. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, tomorrow is today. When we invest in education today, we make our kids more competitive tomorrow. When we modernize our infrastructure, we lay the groundwork for the jobs of the future. When we stand up for common sense approaches to, to healthcare and get more people covered, we lower costs and save lives for years to come. These core priorities aren't always glamorous. They don't always get big headlines. But that's part of the Colorado way. This is the Colorado that has lured generations from across the country and around the world. It's why we swell with pride whenever we tell, we tell outsiders where we're from. And it's why they smile in response. It's what Walter Cheeseman and Claude Betcher and Bruce Randolph all work towards. And what Emily Griffith invested her life in. There's no other place like it. David, Mace, David Mason, our poet laureate, <clears throat> said it best. Some come out west to beat the odds and find out the sky's the limit. Some simply stare, no end to it. The way you can love a land, and quite a few of the people in it. Give me the sage in sunlight, warm even in winter. Give me the moonlit snow. Give me the book cliffs and the farms, the wildflowers of Colorado. One of the greatest joys in my life was when I was pitching baseball games in high school. You have to be so focused and every atom of your being is intent, just totally intent, on, on throwing that pitch to the perfect spot. But you'll never succeed without a great team behind you. The joy of these past seven years has been every bit as intense and every bit as sweet. I've been blessed to work with an incredible group of people. I'd like my cabinet and senior staff to stand up and again be recognized.
And I also include all of you as part of this team. You are an incredible group of people as well, and I cannot express how much I appreciate your partnership, your friendship, and, and your support through some difficult and some joyous times, and especially for deepening our love of this wonderful, wild place. So one last time from this podium, giddy up.